The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E. Appreciate the song Lion Kings, the song we're using as our intro this season. Uh, I faked our listeners out. I said last week that I would not be on this episode, but Prospect Pod got pushed back a day, so I'm back in time. Happy to be on with you, James, talking your Dynasty League rankings, which just went up. Top 100 Dynasty League rankings, your latest Farm Futures piece. Really interesting stuff, but you also overhauled the top 400 as well, so definitely check all that out. Rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial, but I just want to dive right in. This might be a little bit of a shorter episode, but definitely want to talk about some of the risers and fallers on the Dynasty League rankings, because you had an update just prior to the start of the season, and it's cool to see the the preseason rank, which you include here in parentheses next to you know the current rank, and just see how our perceptions have changed a little bit in some cases uh, dramatically since the start of the season. And the one that sticks out in tier one, of course, is Aaron judge. Look, we've talked about it before. Neither of us 
were all that high on on him coming in. They, you know, the strike zone was so big, the swing and miss in his game. But what we've seen over the first half, at least in your opinion, has really solidified himself as a as a elite type of dynasty league asset. Yeah, I mean, I was I was dead wrong about Aaron Judge. I was. I was wrong about plenty of guys before the season, but I mean, none more so than judge. And you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much stuff changes just in, just in the span of three months where you're looking at guys that are jumping from outside the top 50 into the top 20 guys that are jumping from outside the top 100 into the top 50. I mean, it's just a lot of movement and with judge, I, I like him over, a guy like Cody Bellinger, I like him over George Springer, Anthony Rizzo, Trey Turner, ever so slightly. I've got all those guys in the same tier, but I just think Judge's power is obviously super legit, and his walk rate is just so incredibly high that, I mean, I, I see just a, a really high floor for him. I, I just don't ever see him not hitting in the middle of that lineup. I mean, the strikeout rate's high, but the strikeout rate's high with you know, a handful of these guys. I mean, it's, it's kind of become the new norm to have some of your, your best power hitters hitting or striking out around 30% of the time. And it's not a big, uh, you know, scary red flag the way it used to be. And I just think judge judges overall package to me is just slightly more appealing. He is 25 and Cody Bellinger's just 21. So that's, that's obviously a pretty big mark in Bellinger's favor, but I, I sort of see, I see Bellinger's batting average falling and kind of settling more in that sort of 260, 265 range over a full season, at least in the next couple of years. Maybe he eventually gets up into like a 280, 285 hitter in his mid-20s. But I think Judge, just the the floor is just a bit higher, and I think the power's a bit more real. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly... Look, I'm with you, too. I was wrong on Judge, and I was wrong on a lot of guys. I'm willing to admit that. And it's just time to change our baseline for a lot of these guys and reevaluate and just be honest with, you know, it's not the end of the world to admit a mistake and just look at these guys again and say, hey, this is sustainable, at least to a certain extent. I agree that his his average is bound to fall, but, uh, man, it looks like Aaron Judge, you know, those Giancarlo Stanton comps, which, you know, a lot of people were throwing around years ago, but it looks like those were not too off base when I really thought uh, they probably were, but... Looking at the rest of Tier 1, Top 5, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Carlos Correa, Mookie Betts, uh, Chris Bryant. Then we got Corey Seager, Altuve, Paul Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, Nolan Arenado. Not a lot of surprises in there, but one guy I want to talk to you about because he has the same rank that he did coming into the season. That's Mookie Betts. We've seen that average fall significantly from where it was last year. Betting just 274 right now, but still stealing bases, still hitting for some power. Do you believe that he'll get that average back up and really kind of for the next several years be a perennial 300 type of hitter? I don't know about that. I think he's maybe a 285 guy if I had to kind of set it somewhere. But it's just the the power and speed contributions along with the, the counting stats that come with hitting where he hits in that order. I mean, he's just such a, a counting stat monster. Like it, it's... 30 30s always on the table it seems like with him over the next couple of years and you could go a lot of different ways I think to me Trout Harper Correa as the top three is 
pretty locked in. I I think you'd have a hard time arguing otherwise. But if you wanted to put Brian ahead of Betts or Seager ahead of Betts or even Altuve ahead of Betts, I think that that would be totally justifiable. It's it's really bunched up there, kind of in that middle of that top ten. Now, number eleven is a guy who has fallen a little bit from your preseason rankings, but. Uh, not as much as I was really expecting. Manny Machado. We were talking about him a little bit on the SiriusXM show today, and you know Todd Zola wrote about him in his latest Z Files column about you know, just trying to determine a rest of season projection for this guy. It's really tough right now. Batting just two fifteen with a two eighty three on base, four eighteen slug. Well, there are some underlying numbers which point point up and give reason for optimism. But why are you still this high on Manny Machado? I, he's an elite talent to me. I, it would take, you know, he would have to be this bad for the rest of the season for me to really start to buy into it. It, it just from, he, he seems like this year's extreme positive regression in the second half candidate, kind of like, I think it was Robinson Cano last year. Um, yeah. you know, there's always, Joey a, Votto. yeah, there, there's always a couple guys like this where you just have to believe in the profile and believe in what you thought about the player in the preseason and just not really worry about the the struggles. It's just a long slump is, is kind of what I'm chalking it up to. I actually could have, I contemplated having Machado ahead of Arenado ahead of, you know, even a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, just based on his age, like he, he's 25 years old. I think his best years are ahead of him. And, you know, I still think that he's he's a true talent, like 290, 295 hitter with 30-plus homer potential, and I think he might remain shortstop eligible for the foreseeable future. So I, I, I'm a huge fan. I definitely wasn't considering moving him out of this top tier. Maybe you could, you know, if, if you're a little lower on Machado, maybe you want to put some of the those power hitters that are behind him up there or Kershaw ahead of him, but uh, I fully believe in Machado Machado's skills he's he's still so young I just I couldn't couldn't move him out of the top tier I hear you and that makes me want to test the waters on some trades before these evening games start and our lineups which you know we have some staff leagues which have Friday through Thursday lineup periods we just see what the acquisition cost is on Manny Machado of course, those most the stake league, single season league, but I'd, I'd certainly pay a pretty penny to get a guy like that, uh, even with the numbers being what they are at this point. Now, you mentioned Kershaw. He's still there at number 12, the only pitcher in that top tier. Then Aaron Judge, George Springer, and Cody Bellinger, another big, big riser. who's 82 on the preseason top 100 Dynasty League rankings. Power has slowed down a little bit, but still hitting for a crazy power. Looking forward to see him, seeing him in the home run derby this should be pretty sweet the average sitting at, at 258 is that kind of what you know if we look at you know go ahead in the future jump a couple years ahead take a little snapshot is that kind of what you expect to see an average right around there for bellinger yeah i mean i i think like i said like 260 265 is kind of what i envision from him over the next couple seasons he should eventually up that as he gets a little bit more mature the uh, approach will inevitably improve i mean look at a guy like george springer who's ranked right ahead of him look at the gains he's made since entering the big leagues where i mean he, he just looks like a completely different player than he was as a prospect where it was like well maybe this guy's 
30 30 maybe he's at least he's at least 20 20 the batting average will probably be low but he'll be good in obp leagues now springer's just a high average high power guy with no speed i think uh that's that's the kind of natural progression you'll you'll see from an elite hitter like cody bellinger where i think the average is going to be low for not super low i mean kind of around league average maybe even a tick above but uh 35 40 homer power if he stays healthy uh a non-zero contributor in in the speed department i mean he's really impressive for a 21 year old you you rarely see a guy that age come in and and be this impactful yeah absolutely anthony rizzo trade turner round out tier one tier two is interesting because you got a guy like miguel sano who's jumped up nearly 20 spots from his preseason rank gary sanchez the number 20 xander bogarts i think is really interesting because yeah he's hitting at a high clip but not a lot of power there so far this year. Just six homers. He does have nine steals and ten attempts. But what is he? Is he going to need to really tap into that power to earn this rank, or is he just a guy that you're content with a high average, decent amount of speed and counting numbers? I don't know. I, I think that the age, the position, and you know all all the non-power stuff he brings to the table to me is enough to have him in this tier. Maybe if you think the power is only going to ever be of the 15 homer variety in his best seasons with a with a high average, maybe you'd take some of the guys behind him in this tier ahead of him. But I, I still think there's going to be at least a couple 20 plus homer seasons in his in his fairly near future. And the batting average obviously high. He contributes in steals. I mean the position, the lineup you're going to have him contributing at an extremely high level for at least the next six or seven years. So I think that that's, that's enough to get him in there, even if you're not sold on, on more power coming. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, now 21, Francisco Lindor, 22, Giancarlo Stanton, 23, Andrew Benintendi, who's having a nice year, certainly. Then 24, Joey Votto. Talked about how his skill set should age, kind of like fine wine, but... How much are you buying into the power he's shown over the past calendar year? Because it's been insane. But for a guy like this who you know chokes up on first pitch and hasn't really had this kind of power in the past, is this something where we can, you know, just more, you know, comfortably say that he's like a thirty homer guy perennially instead of like you know the forty homer pace he's on right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think the power is super legit with him. Uh, I think it's kind of always been in there with him. It's just a sort of slight change in the approach where he's trying to get to it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really kind of entering, weirdly, he's entered the prime of his career at the age of, of 33. I think Vado at 33 years old and Max Scherzer at 32 years old were the two toughest guys to rank for me in this top 50 or so just because... I feel extremely confident about a very, very high level of production from both of those guys over the next couple of years. But you assume, especially with a guy like Scherzer, that eventually it's going to fall off. And I mean, it's very, very rare that we have a a power pitcher like that who remains incredibly effective into his mid thirties. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to happen that often. So you kind of got to build in some long-term regression and that's where some of these younger guys who don't have that same elite right now production kind of get the edge uh someone in the comments was complaining about how low i had max scherzer i mean i I get it i think you could 
make a case that he should be maybe even at the top of tier two. I, I can't see a case for Vado or Scherzer ahead of any of the guys in tier one, but if you're, you know, if your window to win is right now and you want to trade a guy like Miguel Sano or Gary Sanchez for Vado or Scherzer, I, I totally get it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Now, I should have mentioned at the top of the show, you did lay out some parameters for these rankings. You know, true dynasty leagues where 20-plus players can be kept forever, 15-plus team keeper leagues with minor league slots and contracts that favor young players. Uh, not intended for points leagues or so- shallow keeper leagues with only a few minor league spots. But did you have an idea just kind of in the back of your mind, maybe when you did this, where you were putting more weight on the next two or three years? Is that just kind of inherent or were you kind of looking at like a five-year window? No, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at like keep forever. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. looking at like a 10, okay. 10 plus yeah. year window. Like uh, I'm in, I'm in my favorite league. I'm in is a 20 team dynasty league where you keep 35 players forever with no contracts. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the ideal league that this is intended for where you just, you're keeping these guys forever. So the next five years matter the next 10 years matter the next two years matter i mean mm-hmm. it all matters so i'm I'm not assuming that your league's going to fold in three or four years i'm not assuming that you desperately want to win in the next two or three years it's just kind of a a long-term uh valuation of these players interesting yeah so not like the next two or three years are really weighted super heavily okay gotcha well jd martinez rounds out tier two i think that's pretty interesting too but we'll move on to tier three Noah Syndergaard at number 28 overall. Steven Strasburg making a pretty big jump from 71 in the preseason ranks. Madison Bumgarner at 30. Daniel Murphy, 31. Charlie Blackman, 32. Corey Kluber. Jake Lamb. Anthony Rendon. Carlos Martinez. And we were talking about Jake Lamb recently. He was dealt in one of our staff keeper leagues. And, you know, the numbers against left-handed pitching really speak for themselves. But... You kind of the point with Jake Lamb, given his success against right-handers, where it just doesn't really matter what he does against lefties? Yeah, I think you just assume at this point that he's probably never going to hit lefties. He's just such an elite run producer. He gets to play. I mean, Chase Field's probably the second most advantageous place to play behind Coors Field. And, you know, you don't see him not playing there anytime soon. It's just... I, I I'm kind of concerned about his current like average and, and maybe it's slipping a bit in the second half. He's, he's working with a pretty high BABIP against righties, but you know, even if he's just kind of a two sixty two sixty five hitter, he's basically to me, a sort of a poor man's Bellinger at third base. Like it, it's the, the home run and the RBI production is just so outstanding for a 26 year old. I mean, his best years might still be ahead of him too. So even with the shortcomings against lefties, I still think he's a, a very valuable piece. And what what led you to put Strasburg ahead of a guy like Bumgarner? I mean, I know Bumgarner, man, he had that disastrous rehab outing, and I guess there are just uncertainties as to how he'll perform, how his health will hold up upon his return. But, of course, a ton of injury risk with Strasburg as well. Was that really a tough decision for you? Yeah, I think you could certainly justify having – uh, those three pitchers at the top there, maybe even a guy like Kluber, you could you could be mixing those guys in in a variety of ways, I think, and and definitely justify it. Uh, the the shoulder issue, I'd I'd like to see you know a, a month from now, even it might 
look kind of silly to have him behind a guy like Strasburg, but he's thrown over 500 innings more than Strasburg has in his career, and he's a year younger. Mm-hmm. So to me, that matters. I mean, when you're throwing that many innings, how long are you comfortable projecting that the guy's still going to be an elite guy? Like mm-hmm. a guy like Felix Hernandez, Justin Verlander. I mean, we've, we've seen aces where, you know, eventually it kind of goes and you're no longer that ace. You're hopefully still like an SP three, but even then that's, that's not guaranteed. So I think I'm just a bit more confident that Strasburg's going to remain elite on a per inning basis uh, a bit longer than Bumgarner. Tier four is an interesting mix of, you know, established veterans and guys who haven't even broken into the major leagues yet. Actually, yeah, there are a couple there. Some guys who have limited major league experience, like Yohan Moncada, who we saw for a, a very brief stretch last year. He got him at 37, uh, only a slight drop from where he was in the preseason, 29. And Lance McCullers, Jose Ramirez, man, we were talking about him on the radio today, too. And we were both wrong about him as well. I know you threw out a, some, you know, Josh Harrison coming into the year and i thought that was like brilliant because i really expected to step back but now what he's done since the start of 2016 you know power speed it's really hard to write this guy off and now that you have him inside the top 40 it's uh you know just goes to show how much your your perception can change over a short period of time what do you think the rest of season baseline should look like with ramirez hmm uh well i don't have any shares obviously so nor just, do I. Let me quickly pull up what he's at right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the batting average that that's kind of the big selling point for me is that I just I believe in him as a three hundred hitter going forward, and it's there's not a ton of guys you can say that about. There's definitely not a ton of twenty four year olds you can say that about. Mm-hmm. So. The average, I, I think, comes down maybe a little bit, but I still think over a full season, he's a 300 hitter. You know, you definitely buy into him as a, a 100 run guy over a full season based on where he's at in the lineup and, and how often he's on base. I'm not sure about the power. I think, you know, he's he's probably going to steal 15, 18 bases at the end of the year. Uh, the power is kind of confusing. I didn't see this kind of power coming from him. I, w- I would expect that to to tick down in the second half maybe finishes he's at 16 home runs right now i could see him finishing around 22 23 homers uh but even then he's he's still just an absolute stud when you factor in the batting average and the runs and the five category contributions yeah derek made some good points just about how he's young pretty much at every level and he's still super young you know I, i feel like this guy has been hanging around for a while he's only 24 years old so really just kind of came into his own far quicker than a lot of people expected but behind him Domingo Santana I love Domingo he's certainly somebody who I think given his performance has established himself as a guy who's deserving of everyday playing time at the major league level Marcelo Zuna 41 Nomar Mazar 42 then 43 Victor Robles I'll tell you what those uh Rysel Iglesias to, to Washington rumors really got me going um i would expect the asking price to be sky high maybe it's victor robles but look i would be shocked if this team traded him because as you've said several times when bryce harper maybe maybe likely leaves this guy is going to be the the face of this franchise yeah i mean i who knows how desperate they are to get a 
World Series before Harper leaves. I mean, they, they have a pretty good core intact, even if you take Harper out of the equation. I mean, you have Strasburg and Scherzer locked up long-term. I'd be pretty... I wouldn't... To me, the, the ninth inning, it's just so fluky, in, especially you get into a postseason situation. Like, who knows how often you're going to need that shutdown closer. And who knows, even if you trade for that shutdown closer, if he's actually going to shut it down. Like yeah. we saw Araldis Chapman. I mean, the Cubs got that World Series, so I'm sure they don't have extreme regrets. I'm sure they probably wish that they had traded Schwarber instead of Glaber Torres. But, uh, you know, there's – what if they – they could have easily lost that World Series and you could have easily pinned some of the blame on Araldis Chapman. Yeah. And then you – I mean, it, it's – you know, Rajai, Rajai Davis takes Chapman deep in that, that yeah, postseason that game. Like, it, it, there's just so much risk and so much random variation when you're trading for basically 20 innings of a reliever, 25 yeah. innings of a reliever. Like, I'm not – and it's obviously with a guy like Iglesias, you have him for, for longer than that. But you're and he ba- can go multiple innings. <laughs> he can definitely <laughs> go multiple innings. Um, yeah, I mean, I – I can't see any case for giving up a guy like Robles for a reliever of, of any kind. I just think he's too good on both sides of the ball. A guy like Juan Soto be really tough for me to give him up, but for the right reliever, I guess I could, I could see the case just based on where their, their window to win is Juan Soto at least a couple years away from the big leagues, I would guess. So maybe that one wouldn't sting as much as a guy like Robles who, who might be ready this time next year. When the hell are they going to move him up to double A? It seems like nothing left to prove at high A Potomac. I assume there's a lot of promotions coming maybe after the Futures game. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's a lot of these guys, even guys at triple A, like guy like Lewis Brinson, Derek Fisher, where, you know, they're they're ready for the big leagues. So they're they're going to play in this Futures game, and that, that might be almost it for the rest of their uh, their time in the minors. But, yeah, I mean, Robles needs to be moved up. Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., probably on their way to a promotion. Did you hear of that? Yeah. They're probably going to be moving up. That'd be, man, Bichette and Vlad, that's a that's such a sweet combo for Toronto to have. But behind Victor Robles, we've got a, a lot of vets here. Donaldson, Darvish, Myers, Carrasco, Segura, Abreu, DeGrom, Posey, McCutcheon, Conforto. Then you got Vlad Jr. And number 55, a guy in Rafael Devers, who I had a $0 bid in on and stake ended up getting one dollar box burger instead nice oh, hey, that's a smart move <laughs> stupid I, I regret it right away but um <laughs> i was taking jason Klett's word on box burger but devers you know certainly a guy who if he did does come up would be uh i think a pretty valuable asset right away he did recently return from a knee injury he is only a double a but we've seen with this team they don't really have any issues with top prospects skipping triple a so do you think it's maybe an early second half promotion for devers yeah i think you know i think i think early august would be my guess if if he's coming up that's that's when i would peg it uh they're in a pretty rough situation right now i I don't know the latest on bogarts but when i saw him get hit by that pitch yesterday it sure looked like he broke his hand the the, based on the way he was reacting and Mm -hmm. they haven't said anything like that it's supposedly just a bruise but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. They're in a really, really tough spot. I mean, they just they just promoted Sue Lin, who's kind of a, a sneaky, interesting, you know, at, at least a, a utility infielder. Maybe a, maybe a tad bit better than that. But I mean, he he got jumped over AAA to, to fill a, a need, and I think Devers. You know, what do you really have to lose if you're the Red Sox? He comes up for a few weeks. Either he you know, gets going kind of the way that, that Benintendi did last year. And it looks like a great move. He struggles like Moncada did last year. You just send him down. It's not like you're going to use up his options. Uh, I, I think it, it definitely makes sense for him to come up in August. One guy who's a big riser, maybe the biggest riser on all of this top 100. I haven't looked exactly done the math, but Eric Thames, he was, you know, well, down. judge judge went well, from judge. not ranked into the top. 15 but oh yeah. wow okay yeah. so wow thames thames though of guys who were ranked maybe was the the biggest riser okay yeah he was 237 now up at 61 hitting though you know right around the mendoza line since the end of april you content that you know the ability to take a walk and the power will lead to good things even if maybe he hits at a pretty low average i think the i'd love to buy low on thames right now my I, i'd honestly be more concerned about him losing out on the occasional at bat to Jesus Aguilar against, especially against uh, lefties, Mm -hmm. because, you know, to me, this is just a classic, you know, the league adjusted to Thames after April. I think he, there's signs to me that he's adjusted back. He's swinging the bat really well of late. Uh, The guy still has a 941 OPS for the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's just an easy 30 plus homer bat for the foreseeable future love him in that park love him in that offense which is you know over the next three or four years i think the brewers offense is is going to be top three in in all of baseball in terms of runs and, and rbi opportunities so love the contextual factors with thames it'd be nice if uh jesus aguilar wasn't in the picture sniping at bats deservedly so uh but you know at, at this point it's we're in the 60s i think it's it's fine to have a guy like that there Pretty significant faller, obviously. Byron Buxton falling 40 spots from the start of the year. And, man, it seems like every time I think he's about to get going or he's showing some signs, it's just, you know, another step back. He's going now. Is he? He's uh, he's heating up. It's it's July might be the month of Buxton. And I think he's he's the most interesting guy to me in this entire top 100 because, like, in my heart of hearts, I still want to put him – in the top 40, yeah. maybe even in the top 30. Like if I owned him in the dynasty league, I'm not sure I'd be following these rankings to a T. It's just that the perceived value on him, I think has dropped enough that, that I moved him down to, to 59, but man, I, I still love the guy. I mean, he, he's striking out at a 30% clip. It's not like he's, you know, 38, 39% of the time. Uh, I think in the next couple of years, he's going to get that to a range where he can really start to be productive. He's elite on the bases. I think he's only been thrown out once this year. The power, I still think it's 15, 20 homer power in his peak seasons at least, maybe even a a tad better than that. So I'm still a believer. I know there's plenty of people that are off that bandwagon, but I wouldn't be surprised if Buxton was one of the stories of the second half. Yeah, I mean, we saw what he did last September, and yeah, you can say what you want about September stats, but uh, maybe that's a sign of things to come over the rest of this season. With Byron Buxton, Justin Turner, pretty big riser too. He rounds out Tier 4, but then Tier 5, uh, quickly, 
We got Eloy Jimenez, Chris Archer, Upton, Justin Upton, of course, Ron Acuna. Getting a lot of people knocking on him, but I, he's kind of off the table in my my keeper league. Starling Marte, Rugnet Odor, Clint Frazier, Ian Happ, Miguel Cabrera. Man, pretty might pretty be too fan. high on him. Yeah, you see, I mean, could you make a case for Miguel Cabrera to be out of the top one hundred? I don't know. It's I think you could probably make a case, but it's like you know the hard hit rate looks all right. I just don't, and I know there's a lot of chirps about. You know, the talk in baseball about skills regression at his age, you know, age-related decline, but I'm just not really there yet all the way with Cabrera. I still think he's a pretty valuable fantasy asset. Who do you trust the most out of Cabrera, who's 72, Robinson Cano, who's 73, and Ryan Braun, who's 74? <sighs> that's, a, that's a good question. You know, I think if we were doing just like a straight, you know, second-half draft, I'd maybe take Cano because it's second base and he's been pretty good. Sure. But, over the next like couple of years, I think I still feel better about Cabrera than the other two, which I mean, you do too. Yeah, it's it's close. I I definitely am with you on Cano. It's just man, how bullish do you want to be on a second baseman who is thirty four? Like yeah. going forward, like I I think he'll be good the rest of this year. Probably good next year, but I feel like he's going to fall off, and when he does, it's going to be pretty pretty drastic. Yeah, you still got Kyle Schwarber inside the top 80. Of course, recently brought back. Uh, it's just been so hard to figure out because it looked like he was starting to get things ironed out with Iowa. But then, you know, it was only one game, but he came back and 0 for 4 with a couple Ks. I think, you know, most people would argue it's not a good time to trade Kyle Schwarber now. And I know Theo Epstein has stood behind him and, and said, look, if anybody's selling their Kyle Schwarber's shares, we're buying. But I just think this guy is clearly a DH long-term, and it's not like his values are at, at rock bottom. I still think he gets something pretty good. Do you think this is the summer they move him? It's. I mean, I think it's totally dependent on what the offers are. You know, to me, the Cubs are in a really tough spot because they have some just gigantic holes on the pitching staff, especially in the rotation. I think you you can bank on Lester – Going forward, I think you can bank on a healthy Hendricks, but I don't know when he's going to be fully healthy. Uh, and then after that, I don't think you can bank on anyone. I think you, Lackey's got plantar fasciitis. I mean, who knows how productive Arietta. he'll be. Uh, Arietta's Oof. just a completely different guy. Yeah. I mean, if they want to really contend this year, I think they kind of just have to rely on all their hitters just really heating up and carrying the team. I mean, they're going to need a guy like Edison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, Javi Baez. All those guys are going to have to get going. And so I don't know if just trading for one arm and trading a high upside bat like Schwarber necessarily is a is a positive move overall in terms of increasing your your ceiling as a team i think it just depends who the arm is i mean maybe if you can get chris archer and kyle schwarber the rays feel can headline that package then maybe you pull the trigger but i don't i doubt the rays would be looking for a guy that they would likely only dh as their Hmm. top return for a guy like archer so i don't know if you can pull that off Uh, I, i would not trade archer for you know, a rental. I don't even know if I would trade him for a guy like Sonny Gray, who's controllable, but I mean, man, that's, 
not a super high upside arm. It's not a guy that I would necessarily trust in a in a big postseason game. So it's it's a tough spot to be in. I think they obviously whiffed on trading Glaber Torres instead of Schwarber last year. But who knows? I mean, yeah. I, I think they they'd be best served to just kind of make sure they're still in line to be really competitive for the rest of this decade because you don't want to trade. You definitely don't want to trade a guy like Elo Jimenez and uh, hurt your your long term potential in in the just an effort to try to repeat. Yeah, I think you make some good points there because you know it's not like they're just one piece away. Right no, now. I, I think you're right. That staff. Yeesh. And, you know, a guy like Zach Greinke had a lot of, you know, there were a lot of rumors between those two teams, but the Diamondbacks are competitive, so it doesn't look like they'll be trading right. Greinke. I think the Cubs were banking on just getting Greinke at yeah, some point this it year. It seemed like that. And now that's obviously done. Hey, Scott Feldman's hanging around. <laughs> you got any interest, Cubs? Kick the tires. <laughs> Jonathan Scope, a pretty big riser, almost 100 spots. But anybody else in the back half of Tier 5 that you want to – uh, mention specifically i just thought it, it got really really tough after basically after like jose barrios at, at 88 uh there's a ton of guys i didn't rank who i think you could make a case for being in this this final 10 you know a guy like gregory polanco addison russell javier baez uh some pitchers like robbie ray uh luis severino a uh, handful of guys where I think you could definitely make a case to include them. I mean, I, I think it's it's really tricky in this sort of area. Uh, I like John Gray a ton, even though he's in Coors, so mm-hmm. I, I put him in there. Jimmy Nelson's starting to look like at least a number two starter, so I, I put him in there, even though he wasn't ranked to begin the season. Alex Wood's a really tough guy to evaluate in single season and dynasty leagues right now he's only 26 he looks like one of the 10 best starters in baseball but you're always kind of waiting for that injury to to kind of end his season so a lot of tough guys in this this final 10 yeah good to have john gray back on the mound i was just on a trip i know you're taking one here shortly but i was just on one and like the only like the five minutes of reds baseball i watched turned it on and john gray hit like a 460 foot homer against the reds that's pretty <laughs> yeah classic no, that, that like, i'm great. turning this the hell off <laughs> not watching any more of this well james great stuff again off next week with you traveling but then we'll be back the following week we'll start on our hip-hop grades i think i've finally settled at number one you gotta start somewhere um <laughs> dude just, you gotta you gotta be ready man you gotta I know, put, you gotta I'll put, put the in time, time in get gonna, get your you know you can do a lot of your uh prep for this on the, the flight to and from vegas yeah the Vegas trip, I think there'll be a time for me to dust off some. Maybe I need to rip some onto my computer, some classics to revisit because I'm going back and forth. It's even at number one at the top, it was pretty tough, but I, I feel good about my choice now. But uh, those will be ready to unveil and dive into in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.